This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria, Australia's oldest drama teacher association. Consider becoming a member to take advantage of the many member benefits. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples and we would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. My name is Lawrence Page and today we're joined by the legend from Braybrook College, it's Kat McLeod as we talk about sound design. Let's get to it. So Kat, it's really nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. So nice to be here, Laurie. And uh, today we're talking about sound design. So I guess uh, maybe start by just uh, talking about uh, you as a sound designer. What's been your experience? Yeah, well, um, I have none, basically. But prior to my life as a theatre teacher, um, I studied film and screenwriting. um, And for years, I worked at a place called the National Film and Sound Archive, um, which is a collection of over 4 million artefacts, film, sound, TV history. um, And I was really privileged to see and hear a whole bunch of historical recordings there. I learned about early radio um, and early audio recordings like wax cylinders and shellac discs and reel-to-reel magnetic tapes. And I got a real overview for like digitization and digital sounds there as well. Um, But now I've turned that interest into um, teaching uh, my year 10 theatre studies class. Um, It is a uh, sound design subject that I run for about two weeks um, as part of teaching them all aspects of design. Um, And we do that through a series of practical workshops. Um, And I usually run this over about three or four lessons. And by the end of these lessons, I really want students to know what sound design is, how to source um, sound effects and music, how Audacity and QLab software can be used and how to perform their own radio dramas to an audience. And why is it so important that um, students learn sound design? Um, I think they need to be able to use sound design to enhance their storytelling. Um, So when I'm introducing sound design, I explicitly teach um, them four really basic terminology about um, what they can incorporate in sound design and those four things are dialogue, music, sound effects and silence. Can't forget about silence, it's a great use of um, contrast um, between dialogue, music, sound effects um, to punctuate sound. Um, So I teach them those four things and then we also brainstorm the function of sound design to get a feel for like why we do sound design. So that kind of answers your question. We provide a sense of place with sound. Um, We sometimes provide a sense of time about where, when the event occurs. So a rooster, a rooster, sorry, crowing in the morning, um, that immediately takes us to a certain time and place. Um, So we talk about creating sound effects that are part of the plot and for actors to react to, things like literal effects, and they might be like the sound of a ping pong ball, something like that. Um, Whereas non-literal effects are more things that enhance the mood or atmosphere for an audience and kind of sounds um, that are otherwise difficult to reproduce like a ghost. We kind of don't know what a ghost sounds like, but we all are conditioned to kind of hear a certain kind of spooky wind noise and think, oh, that might be a ghost. Or if we hear the Jaws theme music, 
we have an automatic association with a shark. So there's literal effects, things like a bouncing ball, and then non-literal effects as well. Um, and if you come from the film world, um, you might also think about diegetic and non-diegetic sound. Um, and that's something I like to use with my um, VCE students. Um, but in short, diegetic sound is sound that's happening within the world of the characters, things that they can hear, like a telephone ringing. Whereas non-diegetic sound is things that the audience can hear that the actors can't. Um, so ominous music showing that a character is in immediate danger. So those are the kinds of difference between literal, non-literal, and diegetic and non-diegetic. When I give them a little bit of theory, you then have to go into the practical. I like to get them to learn by doing. And so soundscapes, which everyone would pretty much be using already in their classrooms, um, are a great way to do it. Um, but I love to do it because you can really introduce the idea of layering sound and editing sound through soundscape. Um, and then you can introduce an idea like audacity and using it to actually create a digital soundscape. Um, but we do live ones in class and I give them a prompt like a rainstorm or a busy restaurant kitchen, a forest or a haunted house, um, things like that. They work really well. Um, and then I ask them to consider the layering of those sounds. So things that they might hear a sound that goes all the way through. They might have a sound that's emphasized. There might be a rhythm to the performance. There might be a climax to the performance. Um, they might need a mix of quiet and so um, loud sounds. So in that way, you sort of introduce them to the idea of editing sound without actually having to get into the nitty gritty of the technical side of things. Um, and you can do lots of kind of cool stuff with that, getting them to guess um, so and see if they can when you're, um Sorry to jump in, but when you're giving yeah. your students uh, a task like this and you might say something like, all right, I want you to create a, a busy cafe, do you want mm. them to go away and find like uh, sounds from YouTube clips and then edit them on a computer? Or is it more, I want you to create literal sounds with your body and whatever's in this room to create a noisy cafe? Correct. Yeah. And um, I might have a little box of um, kind of uh, plates and crockery and things that they can use, pots and pans, um, or I, I have a rainmaker. But they can use their bodies, body percussion to create rain um really well um and so things like um tapping of the fingers all the way to slapping thighs um you can get these fancy uh sound makers called thunder drums as well which are great for that so i try and incorporate things that i know i've got things around lying around that they can use like and sometimes i get the kids to run outside grab a few sticks and then crack them in class to create those soundscapes so it's all about live sounds that they can make um, and then I might supplement it with a little um, recorded sound to help them if they need it. Um, Beautiful yeah. and, and what's your um, what's your like go-to favorite activity when you're teaching this kind of work? Yeah so my go-to favorite activity is um, to do a radio drama with these students um, so and we look at radio drama incredibly briefly we listen to a worked example of one I get them to notice the fact that there's narration, conversations between characters, sound effects that are used to enhance the story, reveal context, um, and that can be reacted to by the actors um, and use music. And once that's happened, um, they're ready to actually go ahead and make their own. Um, so um, I like to do a little bit of a voice workshop with them in this unit if you have time because you can teach um, vocal techniques like accent, pitch, tone, pace and pause. Um, I can bust out my horrible 
British accent um, and tell them about non-rhotic di dialogue and, you know, you, you can get them to really um, lean into playing a different character just through their voice. Um, and then I give them a do-it-yourself kind of toolkit where they have a grid with locations, situations, a main character um, and a a key phrase, and they can choose any combination from that grid to come up with their own story. Um, so an example might be um, they could end up in a haunted house with a character of a detective who has to deal with a situation where someone's desperately in love and they have to somehow incorporate the phrase, I wonder what happens if I press this button. Um, so you're kind of giving them the ingredients to create a really juicy radio drama. But from there, it's up to them to write it, up to them to source um, the sound effects that they'll use. And that's where I do then get them to research online, start downloading sound effects and music, and, and then they end up performing it. And so the, the place where I send them to find sound effects is called the BBC Sound Library. It's an incredibly useful um, audio library. Um, it's got about 16,000 sounds, um, which you can preview really easily and then download as MP3s. I get them to put all their sound effects in a Google Drive, um, and then uh, working with that group, I get them to come and work with me while I put that into QLab, which is the software we use to run shows. Um, and it is the software that most professional companies use to run their shows as well. It takes a little bit of time to set it up, but then when you're in the show, um, it's really simple. It's just pressing go or the space bar and it's done. Um, so, um, and then we actually perform. I give them time to rehearse. I ask them, I challenge them to try and use at least one live sound effect, um, a little bit of Foley work and um, everything else is pre-recorded and one person who may be not one of your acting students uh, operates the sound um, and then um, the others act it all out reacting to the sound that they've planned um, I think it really works well we also use radio microphones to do that I feel like it really enhances their performance when they can hear themselves over the radio mics um, with the kind of the broadcast sounds as well. Um, we only have four. They weren't that expensive and it's made a real difference to doing this activity. Um, but yeah, through this, I don't really expect students to learn fully how to use Audacity or QLab, but I want them to know about the software that's out there and I want them to know what's possible with that software so that if they do decide to specialize in sound later on like in year 11 or year 12 that they already have a bit of a foundation um, there and most students have fun with the unit but yeah there's always those students that really want run with the technical side of things and you want to make that available to them um, yeah so that that is definitely my favorite activity to do little do-it-yourself radio drama that sounds like a really um, fun unit, and I'm sure that drama teachers can take that unit and, and do some really fun and crazy things with it. Kat, thank you so much for coming in this afternoon. Pleasure. Um, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all for this episode of The Aside. Huge thank you to Kat McLeod for giving us her time. You can find out more about these amazing lessons and ideas by clicking on the podcast links. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, feel free to contact us on asidepodcast at outlook.com. We respond to a number of emails each week and are always happy to help. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. 
Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music, and of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>